Hi everybody, this is Jeremy. My wife Candace and I are the pastors at the Ridge Assembly at Park Hill. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We hope this message connects with you, that inspires you, reveals God's word of truth in your life. Be encouraged and enjoy the message. Indignation. There's a time for us as Christians, as children of God, to be angry, to be mad at what the devil is trying to steal from the church. What the devil is trying to take from people who are seeking the truth. The devil's coming in to, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's his M.O. And, that, and if any way he can get to it, he's going to. And it's okay. It's even, I'd say it's even justified, it's even mandated that we, the church, the children of God, get mad. And not just get mad, but, but take arms against it. By adjusting the, the way we do things, adjusting the way we say things, adjusting the way we pray about it, to take arms against the spiritual injustice. Ladies and gentlemen, we need, to make sure, we need to make sure that what makes Jesus mad makes us mad. At the same time, we need to make sure that we're on the right side of this righteous indignation because we gotta, I don't want to be found guilty of something that, that Jesus chases people out with whips over. Right? I don't want that in my life i don't want to be caught as the guy behind the table right when jesus walks through even though that 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 my humanity sometimes places me there jonathan edwards preached it's a terrible thing for sinners to follow angry god and i don't want to be be like that so ladies and gentlemen what got into jesus what got into jesus that made him so mad that he overthrew the tables that he caused the mess caused the scene i always thought that it was just because they were selling stuff in the temple. And uh, we always joked about, you know, concession stands at church and the T-shirts. That, like, oh, if Jesus walks in, watch out. But there's so much more to it. There's so much more to it. What, what is happening in the contextual live drama here from, from Mark chapter number 11 is much deeper than just the textual rendition that we see on the surface. When we read it as a 21st century American, we, we, we sometimes miss kind of the nuances and, and, and what it really means that made Jesus so mad. But if we look at the story in the context of the culture, we see some incredible reasons behind this righteous indignation and things that should make us mad as Christians and as children of God at the society that we live in and the schemes of the enemy. Because in short, guys, anything that separates God from his people is subject to righteous indignation, even wrath. Anything that stands in the way of the gospel presentation is subject to righteous anger and even wrath. Anything that hampers the expansion of the kingdom is subject to righteous anger, even wrath. And that's very heavy stuff. That's heavy. It's not a sermon for the faint of heart, right? It's, this is for us saints. It's the battle cry. It's a warning. It's, it's a call to righteous indignation, whether we find ourselves inside or outside of the injustices that we see. A couple things, guys. This is deep in the text. First thing that God hates so much that he wants to drive people out with whips. Right? He's, not, he's mad at what they're doing. The first thing is that righteous indignation manifests itself against desecration. Desecration. What is desecration? Well, it's pretty simple. It's, It's taking what is holy 
and treating it like it's common. It's taking something that, that God intended for holy use and treating it for common use. It's true for the temple in general, and, and it, it's true for the sacrifices in particular. See, in our text, Jesus turned over the tables of those that were selling doves. So, so in general, they were treating the temple, which is a holy place, as something that was common. But, but in particular, there, there was something significant that is tied to those doves and to that sacrifice. And so the question is, well, why were they selling doves there in the first place, right? They were selling them as sacrifices. That, that, the reason that they were there, that they had set up shop, is to sell sacrifices. Now, that sounds like it's an okay idea. They were selling these. No, no, by the way, th these sacrifices of doves were aimed at poor people, right? Because, because if you were rich, you would bring a lamb. But if you were poor, according to Leviticus, you could, you could bring some doves. And, and so they set up shop there to sell these sacrifices. It sounds logical. It sounds okay. It sounds on the up and up and legit. But you know what? It wasn't. Here's the catch. It may have started out to be something okay because you know you can come and you know birds don't travel well and so so you can come and you don't have to bring your own you can buy them there and but when people started making money doing this suddenly the greed inside of people's hearts went from offering something as a convenience to offering something that would be an approved sacrifice here's the here's the situation right you're poor because if you weren't you'd bring a lamb you're poor so you're bringing in doves and that's the best that you have and you bring them in to the priest, and the priest says, oh, I'm sorry, we can't, the, those, those are not the sanctioned doves. There's something wrong with them. They've got a feather out of plate. That's not the right. What you need to do is you need to go buy these over here. These are the appropriate ones. These are the good ones. So what these people were doing is they were taking the offering, the sacrifice, the best that these people had. And they said, wait a minute, we can't accept those. you got to go buy these instead. It was taking their sacrifice, which was holy to God. It was the best they had. And it was calling it common. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, we need to be very careful that what God sees as holy, that we also exalt as holy god was very angry because man had judged the sacrifice brought to god and said you know what that's insufficient when god said no no that's sufficient god's not interested in psalm 51 16 and 17 it says you don't delight in sacrifices or i would bring it you don't take pleasure in burnt offerings my sacrifice oh god is a broken spirit a broken and contrite heart. God, you will not despise. What made God mad? He didn't want the sacrifice. He wanted the heart behind it. And ladies and gentlemen, in our culture, in our church world, we've got to be very careful to make sure that, that the sacrifices that people are bringing to God are not treated by us as common. We need to be ready to honor unconventional worship I'm talking about off-road Christianity. You know what? In these last days, I'm telling you, there's going to be a crazy revival. It's going to be an incredible move of the Holy Spirit, and it's not going to look like what we think it's going to look like. No matter what you think it's going to look like. 
there's going to be all kinds of different personalities and styles and, and things. And I'm telling you guys, it, as long as someone is honoring God in their worship, and if I start dancing, know that it's definitely the Holy Spirit, because I don't do that. And know that it's going to be ugly. And if someone's ugly crying, then okay. If they're singing off, I'm telling the sacrifices that we bring to God, be careful that the institutions of the church and our personal styles and traditions don't call something that God sees as holy, then we don't call it common. The different styles of church, you know what, this church has a style, right? Other churches have styles, but you know what, I've seen people saved in brush arbors. They still have those. I went to one in college. Like, you had to turn off the paved road and keep driving, and it, but people get saved. I've seen people get saved at concerts. I'm not a concert fan. Sorry, I know a lot of you are. I, I, I just, you know, it's loud. I'm old. And, but I've seen people give their lives to Jesus. Everywhere and in every way, the gospel is lifted up. I'm telling you, there's opportunity, so we've got to be careful not to call what God sees as a sacrifice. We've got to be careful not to call that common. Because if, if we start putting restrictions on the way people are reaching folks, if we start putting restrictions on the way people are, are worshiping people, then all, then all of a sudden I'm afraid that, that Jesus may come turn over some tables. What was he mad about? Well, he was mad that they called what was holy common. And as, a, and as an aside, right, so not really part of the sermon, let's just kind of shift over here. BT dubs. The Bible says that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. So when we bring a sacrifice to God by us, fruit of our lips giving glory to God, our hands, what I want you to understand is that is beautiful and accepted. And for everybody out there that thinks that you're not pretty enough, or you're not smart enough, or you're not strong enough, you're not fast enough, you're not enough, then I want you to understand that what God has made in His image, and what God has said is good. If anyone speaks against that, then it's desecration of what is holy. And that makes God angry. So you know what? Just block your Instagram feed. Block the Twitter, right? Just unsubscribe to most people that are speaking death in life because that's not what God sees. And if you're on the other side of that, by the way, you're the person... Spreading hate as a keyboard warrior. Be very careful because Jesus could come in and throw over some tables. Secondly, uh, back on track. Secondly, righteous indignation manifests as wrath against discrimination. Desecration and discrimination. Now, these are very, very closely related, honestly. And this could really be part of the first, but I wanted to separate the two because there's actually two different layers. See, by definition, uh, discrimination is desecration of temples that are made in God's image, right? So it could kind of be the same thing, but, but the first one we said is devaluing the sacrifice. This layer is a barrier to offering it in the first place. See, in our text, Jesus turned over the tables of those that were selling doves because he wanted 
everyone to bring their own sacrifice. He didn't like that, that, that people were being told that it wasn't good enough. But he also turned over the tables of money changers. Turned over the tables of money changers. Why? Because, well, uh, you were required to bring money to the temple. It was called a temple tax, uh, which is fine, right? The catch is you couldn't just use the coins that were in your pocket because what you had in your pocket was probably Roman or Greek money, and what you really had to pay the temple tax with was the Jewish money. And, and, and you know, so you get into this thing. There was no PayPal back then, no Apple Pay, no Bitcoin. So you just had to go with the real currency, and there was an exchange rate. Now, if you've ever been in the international airport, like years ago, when we could actually fly internationally, <laughs> You'd, you'd go overseas, right? You, you'd, you'd change your money, right? I'd change dollars to euros. you get a pocket full of euros on the way back before I left Charles de Gaulle or certainly in Atlanta because after that, there's no other options. You change your euros back to U.S. dollars. And, and there is a current exchange rate. There's the posted rate, and then there's the fee, right? So you don't, it's not even Stephen. There's a fee for this. And so what was happening in the temple is that during this exchange rate, right, they were taking advantage of, you see a pattern here? They're taking advantage of the poor people with the doves. They're also taking advantage here of the poor people that didn't have the right currency. And then there was a tax on top of that to make sure that you could exchange it to the right currency. They were keeping a certain group of people from worshiping God. And that... It's a scary place to be. Like, this is my serious space. Please never, ever find yourself keeping people from worshiping God. God is a merciful God. He's loving. But you know what? He is passionate about people. <laughs> and I don't want to be the guy that's standing in his way. Or he's, We're going to find ourselves. He's going to be turning over some tables. And I don't want that in my life. Guys, ladies and gentlemen, there, there's, a, there's a conversation going on in our society about social justice and equality. And man, those are great conversations to have. It's long overdue, even in the church, right? But we've got to figure out how to tear down some barriers. You know what? It, it's okay to have a, an all-German church if your church is in, U, in Munich, right? It's okay to have an all-Mexican church if you're in Mexico City. Here in the melting pot of the United States of America, I've got some great news for you. Our community right here around this church is incredibly diverse. I've, wa I've walked the streets. I've talked to the neighbors. Well, they don't really like to talk because, you know, the Rona. But we wave from the porch. And, and you know what? And I'm praying around the community. And you see that, that, that there's black people, that there's white people, there's young people, there's old people. There's Hispanics, there's Asians, there's all kinds, and they're all around here. And you know what? Our church has to be representative of the community. It has to be. The church, the big C church, has to be representative of the community. We've got to figure out how to, how to tear down barriers and make sure that nothing we're doing is standing in the way of people. Now that is a healthy conversation. There's an unhealthy conversation that is trying to mirror that. Here's the unhealthy conversation. The unhealthy conversation is saying that we need to not only talk about equality in gender and race, but also in equality in sexual identity. Not gender. Gender is sacred. That's, I'm talking about sexual identity. 
There's an unholy conversation going on. And we got to be careful as the Big C Church. Because as we're pushed to make sure that we are all inclusive of, of, of male and female and every ethnicity and all of that, if we're inclusive of God's family around His throne, it's every tongue and tribe and nation. And we're conscious of that. But as we're conscious of that, we've got to be careful not to discriminate against the LGBT, the whatever else. We've got to be careful not to discriminate against them by withholding the gospel. This is, this is a trick. It's a trap. It's a catch. People want to talk about you know, be, being inclusive. But what they're really wanting us to do is be accepting. And ladies and gentlemen, it's not right it's not proper to accept someone and not love them enough to tell them the truth and again the gospel is an equal opportunity offender right so so right now the conversation is about the lgbt plus community but you know what we can say the same thing about you know men living with women before they're married you can say the same thing about people out getting drunk you can say the same thing like it this is an equal opportunity offender. But, but the, the motion in our society is to say, I'm going to live my life and you've got to accept it. If we do that, here's the catch. This, this is the catch. If we do that and we withhold the gospel from those people, that's a disservice. It's a grave miscalculation. It purposefully keeps people from God. If we don't offer the truth, if we say you're okay the way you are, it's okay that you're addicted to that, those drugs. It's okay that, that you're, you're violent. It, it's okay that, that you spew nothing, but it's okay. Because we accept, if we say those things, then in doing that, purposefully keeps them from the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we become... Worse than Jonah, who God said, go down to Nineveh and preach against their sin. But Jonah hated the Ninevites so much, he knew they'd repent, he went the other way. Is it, is it not that same level of hate that if God is calling us to preach the freedom of Christ to people that, that we see lost in sin, if we say, no, we won't preach, we don't want to offend them, then are we not hating them and condemning them by not telling them the truth? you got to be careful. The big C church, right? The, the big C church has got to be careful. Because there's righteous indignation that manifests as wrath against discrimination. So this church, and I know the Ridge, Sherwood, and many other churches around here, guys, we've, I know that we want to reach the community. And I also know that we want, and we will, preach the whole truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Last but not least, Right, righteous indignation manifest as wrath against distraction. Now, all this is in the text, and this is something that, so uh, it's easy to miss because I've never been to the temple in, in Jerusalem. But if you read uh, the common commentary by people a lot smarter than me, what they say is that this scene happened in the outer court. And the outer court is significant because that's where Gentiles could go. Right? So back in the day, right, Jewish 
people, Jewish men, could go in and worship. Everybody else had to stay in the outer court. And so in the outer court, what happened was, was Jesus, he said he drove out those who were carrying wares through the outer court. Why? Because that was a distraction. There were people there that were trying to worship. That'd be difficult. <laughs> it'd, be like, it'd be like trying to have church. You ever have one of those amazing services where there's still people praying up front, but then everybody else dismisses? Yeah. And it just gets kind of real weird real fast because these people are trying to, you know, they're, they're praying, they're seeking the Lord, and those people over there are figuring out where they're going to lunch. I'll see you later. And they're, yeah, right? And that's what's happening here in the outer court. As people are selling doves, as people are changing money, there's people that are carrying goods through the temple. And all this is happening when, when there could be folks that are trying to seek God because that was their sanctuary. This was a distraction. You guys, in our world, ladies and gentlemen, we've got to be careful not to turn our ministries into a circus. We've got to be careful not to create too many distractions when it comes to us seeking God or others seeking God. Here's the thing, and this can happen in two ways. It could be that we're so busy in our lives that we don't have time to connect with God. It could be so busy in the church that we don't have time to connect and worship. So here in our world, guys, in our society, with so many things that are coming at us nonstop, there's a lot of noise, there's a lot of activity. And if there's a lot of noise and if there's a lot of activity, sometimes we miss Jesus. Satan wants to destroy you, but if he can't destroy you, we like a, a frontal attack because we see him coming and we're like, ha, armor of God. If he can't destroy you in a frontal attack, then he'll make you busy so that you're distracted. And then he can flank you. Get the best of you. There's a great story in, in Luke chapter number 10. This is kind of a reflection. This is the opposite of what was happening here. This is uh, the story of, of Mary and Martha. And you guys know this, that Jesus and his disciples were on their way. He came to a vision. Uh, a vision. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he had to say. So you've got Mary and Martha, and they're completely different personality types. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that she had to be made, and she had to make. And she came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sisters left me to work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord said, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, indeed only one. And Mary has chosen what's better. And it'll not be taken from her. Ladies and gentlemen, here's the thing. There's a lot of things that we can be distracted with. There's a lot that's starting to happen in our lives. I love it that people are starting to move around again, that, that stores are open again, that life is starting to churn. But when it comes to the sacred, because remember, Jesus didn't walk into Walmart and throw over tables. He walked into the temple and threw over tables. When it comes to the sacred, when it comes to church, when it comes to meeting together and worshiping, when it, when it comes to opportunities we have to preach the gospel, then please, 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 please 
Do not be so distracted that we miss the voice of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you guys, every time we enter into this building, the heavens are open. There's an opportunity to connect with God. Don't be distracted so much by your to-do list, whether that's that day in service or whether it's something you got Tuesday afternoon. Don't be so distracted that you miss what God is doing. Distractions. Rob us from the fullness of God's plan. I'm telling you, every time we meet together, he's got something to say to us every time. And if we're facilitating those distractions, this is the warning. If we're facilitating those distractions, then be careful that we don't fall into judgment. Okay? God has a plan, and it's for us to meet with him. To keep the holy, holy. Holy things for holy purposes. And holy moments. Thank you guys so much for being here this morning. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. We invite you to be part of our online community by subscribing to this podcast. Also, follow us on social media at The Ridge Assembly PH on Facebook and Instagram. If you live in the central Arkansas area, we certainly invite you to be part of our live community. You can join us Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m. at the Old Park Hill Elementary Building. That's at 3801 JFK Boulevard in North Little Rock. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time.